Hello, and welcome to the Her Voice podcast. I'm Kamal Caruso, Chief Revenue Officer of HerMD and your host for today. We're a female forward wellness center committed to empowering women through comprehensive health, beauty, and wellness services. Today, I'm joined by our founder, Dr. Somi Javade, and Sally Mueller and Michelle Jacobs, founders of Womanist. Sally and Michelle are on a mission to support the more than 50 million women in the U.S. who are going through menopause through their collection of modern menopause products that offer solutions from head to toe and everything in between. They'll talk about their journey, what it means to be menopausal, and how they are helping support menopausal women across the United States. Welcome, Sally and Michelle. Thank you for having us. We're so glad to be here. So I'm going to jump right in it. Sally and Michelle, I was reading your bio and, you know, we've spoken before and you guys met many years ago and became friends and collaborators. And then you've shared, Sally, a few years ago, you had a recent visit to your doctor um, and you were having some symptoms that eventually were connected to menopause. So can you share what you were experiencing? I sure can. Yeah, <laughs> several several years ago, and I knew I was in menopause, but I didn't realize what I was going through, which I'll get into, um, was really tied to menopause. And I think that's so common with women. You know, they they may feel different, or they might have you know hot flashes, or you know, just for me, it was vaginal dryness, and. I knew that I was experiencing that, but again, I didn't know it was tied to menopause. So I filled out an intake form at the doctor's office at the Mayo Clinic and had, you know, my appointment and the doctor was so gracious and, you know, she was really digging into, you know, vaginal dryness and painful sex and all of those things that I had checked. Yes, yes, yes. And that was kind of, for me, a real turning moment because I thought, boy, there must be a lot of women like me that don't even know that what they're experiencing is tied to menopause. So the doctor actually gave me some product recommendations that I was to check out that evening, you know, online. Okay. So I did. And, you know, the product was just not speaking to me. The packaging was really outdated. The names of the product were difficult to pronounce. And, you know, it was, it was everything from lubrications to, you know, vaginal moisturizers and all sorts of different products. And I just thought, boy, that's, that is a huge, it's a huge opportunity to do something really modern, you know, with clean formulations that really speak to women like me. So that was, you know, such a, such a great memory of that moment because it really, really started the whole thought around womanness. Right. So you mentioned a couple of things and I would love for Dr. Javade to chime in too, but, you know, vaginal dryness and like symptoms of menopause and were at that time, were you experiencing perimenopause, like going into menopause or were you in full blown? I was in full blown menopause at that point. I had you know, definitely gone through, of course, perimenopause, and I had the very erratic periods, you know, a lot of like almost hemorrhaging, actually. So I knew once I was through that, and I didn't have my period for a year that I was in full blown menopause. So got it. um, I spent many years kind of probably ignoring the fact that I had this vaginal dryness. Yeah. So a lot of your symptoms. So first of all, hats off to you. I love um, hearing stories of female founders and women who will take it to the next level. And I think it brings a very unique, empathetic perspective, 
when you yourself have experienced it mm-hmm. and understand what's going on and then see the market need. I agree with you. Traditionally, um, products and things that we have offered have not always been very patient-friendly or we haven't done a great job educating women about what happens to their body. And people always assume that hot flashes are the only symptom of menopause when it's not. It's sleep impairment. It's mood changes. It's weight gain. It's changes with joints. Um, Women complain to me that they feel like they're aging. There's problems with their hair and their skin. Um, they complain about sexual changes. Their libido has gone away or they can't find their orgasm or orgasm takes forever. And then what you described is now described as genitourinary syndrome of menopause. So whether it's vaginal dryness or sexual pain or all of a sudden, you know, now they're having some incontinence and it's all due to lower levels of hormone that happen, you know, both at the external genitalia around the urethra, the vestibule area, which is inside the labia minora, and in the vaginal canal. And I always give this really vivid example that patients love. You know, the vagina's got these deep folds, works like an accordion, stretches to accommodate our partner. When we start to lose our hormone, we start to lose that thickness. Those folds go away and Mm -hmm. we become more like a tube sock, right? So women will have burning or micro tearing and and they experience dryness. And so I hear these symptoms every day. I also hear um, high power women complaining about having loss of cognition and memory and word finding, and they need treatment because they're, they're having to execute and perform at really high levels. And they're devastated by what's happening to them um, because of menopause. And so mm-hmm. I don't think we do a great job educating women on how many body parts systems that menopause um, can truly change and alter for a woman. Yeah, I agree. And I think what I've noticed with my own journey is that it changes too over time. You know, you mentioned joint pain and Michelle knows because I've told her a lot about my (laughs) daily joint pain, but I had no idea that joint pain was related to menopause until probably a year and a half ago. And so that wasn't something that I was experiencing at the very beginning of menopause, but now that I'm five or six years into it, I'm starting, you know, I've definitely been experiencing it. So yet it is a great time in in our lives, but you do want to go into this transition a lot more informed. Had I been more informed, I would have done things differently. And I think another common misunderstanding I hear all the time in the office is, you know, we talk about perimenopause leading up to menopause, and then you hit the nail on the head with the definition, you know, 12 consecutive months without bleeding, or there's blood tests we can do if, if women want to get diagnosed earlier. But women often think that when they're through menopause or they're in, they're, that there's some end point, there's some finality to it. And we now know that there are studies out of Italy that show some women are symptomatic 20, 25 years later. And I think a lot of women will, you know, ignore their symptoms or think, surely this will just stop spontaneously. And for some women, it won't. And and they have to get some type of treatment, whether it's traditional hormone replacement therapy or over-the-counter solutions or innovative solutions like yours. I mean, there's a fit for everybody and what they feel comfortable with, depending on, you know, their choice, their body, also their medical history. But I think I hear that all the time. And women are like, uh, you know, because sometimes I'll ask, like, what took you so long to get here? Sometimes they've been dismissed, but a lot of times they'll, they'll say, well, I just honestly thought this was going to go away. And I'm finally at the point where I couldn't take it anymore. 
You bring up something really interesting, and I wanted to ask you know the three of you this. So Forbes just published an article citing a recent study. You know, menopause affects 50-some million women in the U.S. 73% of menopausal women don't seek treatment mm-hmm. for their symptoms. That's nuts. And that blew me away because... I mean, I think I'm a little bit more informed than the average consumer, unfortunately, because, you know, because of what I do and, you know, we don't have the education out there and women are not as informed. But why do you think that's the case that women are living with these symptoms for years and years and years and just not seeking any treatment? I think it's because women are often, I think women just bear the brunt of so much thing of of the pain in their body. They go through so much. And they're just told this is what it is, you know, whether it's cramps from having your period or issues with child, you know, being pregnant and feel like, you know, terrible for nine months or whatever it is. It's just most of the time you're told to just deal with it. And I think when women go into menopause, either they think it's just going to be short and they're going to come out soon, or it's just, this is just another thing I have to deal with. I think a lot of women and some of the, some of the symptoms you talked about earlier, people wonder like am I normal like is this is this normal is this how other women feel so there I think there's also a little bit of a like embarrassment to talk about it I think it's just so interesting though because I I I think that and I hate you know I hate to use this example but I think if men were sitting in a boardroom like fanning themselves sweating you know I I have a feeling we'd be talking a lot more about it and I think women like I said we're very strong and we, we sort of suck it up. And I, I, I think what womanist is trying to do is saying to the, to the 50 million women in menopause, you don't have to suffer in silence or you don't have to suffer at all, you know, and, you know, it's, and you should talk about it because there is help out there for you and you're not alone. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Michelle and, and just how tough women are and, I also think, you know, what you guys are doing too is so innovative from a medical care perspective. And a lot of women don't have access to that, right? They, they go to their doctor for advice. And we've heard this at least from a lot of, a lot of women in our community. And sometimes the the doctor just is not empathetic or is not educated around menopause. So they really leave those appointments just feeling very let down. And, and so I think that's also a big piece of it is they don't know what to do. And their and their doctor that they've relied on for years is just not helping in this particular case. So I've watched that firsthand, um, you know, when yeah. I'm training and watching interactions early on, there's not enough menopause training. I'm a board certified OBGYN, had minimal training through a very traditional Um, residency program, watched Mm -hmm. one of my mentors, this woman was complaining about menopausal symptoms and then kind of alluded to her sexual health. And you could tell she was so nervous. And the doctor was very nice and very kind, but didn't have any menopause training. And literally she was like, you know, I don't have libido. It's negatively impacting my marriage. And he looked up at her and deadpan was like, I can't get my own wife interested in intercourse. I have nothing to offer you. And she looked at me and she was so embarrassed. And I was like, oh my God, she'll never get the courage again to ask a provider or anyone for help. And so Uh I talked about this in a TED talk I did about how we have made women invisible patients, how they've been dismissed, 
underrepresented in research trials. It's been a taboo topic, you know, in some families, you know, I'll ask a patient, did you talk to your mom about what age she went through this? And they're like, are you kidding me? I can't talk about this in my family. Uh, Some sisters won't even talk to each other. It's not considered polite or kosher or appropriate conversation. There's not been enough funding for women, you know, up until now, I think that's changing. Um, And I think the other thing is, and we can all relate as working women, we are caretakers and we tend to prioritize everyone else in our lives, but ourselves. And so we'll allot ourselves a small amount of time, whether it's to get on Google and do some research or to make that doctor's appointment. But if it doesn't give us what we need, oftentimes we'll just keep sucking it up or living with it or just saying, okay, whatever, because we're on to the next thing. So I I believe those are all the reasons um, that this is happening to women and why they struggle so long with their symptoms. Sally, to go back to, you know, you were given that list of of treatment options. You did your research. Unfortunately, but I'm not shocked, didn't really find anything that spoke to you. And you and Michelle embarked on some market research and talked with friends and family and colleagues. What were women sharing with you um, when you were asking them about menopause? Well, I think, you know, they wanted, their recommendation was that we really offer a full suite of product around the main, you know, to really address the major symptoms of menopause. Um, So address, you know, skin drying, you know, which isn't just facial skin and skin all over your body. Obviously, I just referenced vaginal skin drying. Please offer supplements that actually work. A lot of women were told to go on, you know, things like black cohosh and never really saw any, any results. So, you know, we felt very strongly about really investing in, you know, clinically proven ingredients that actually do have, you know, studies behind them to say that they're effective. And then the other advice that we got was, you know, around libido and sexual wellness. So we knew going into this based on the feedback from, you know, women that we had talked to that they were really excited about the fact that we were addressing a a total solution to menopause and not just addressing one category. So many other things that they said that we took into account and we did not only focus groups very early on, but after we developed, you know, our kind of our positioning of our brand and our product line, we also did more research, you know, sometimes in a Target store, for example, just to even get feedback on the messaging and, you know, how do we make sure we get credit for, you know, the formulations being, you know, clinically backed. And so, a lot of the feedback was, you know, make sure you're testing this with doctors. We want to know that doctors have been behind it. Mm-hmm. We want to be part of a community. Mm-hmm. We also, you know, so that we can understand and, and share tips with other women. We also knew that education was really, really important. So providing, you know, expert information from doctors, obviously like, like your team, um, but just a variety of experts as well as, you know, articles too, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just so important that women have information at their fingertips. Yeah. I find it so interesting that of course the women explaining to you what types of products they wanted to help them with their symptoms, but also they referenced community mm-hmm. and education and providing that to them. And it must be I mean, in my mind, and we see this with our patients, women feel alone. 
and they don't know where to go and they're misinformed because no one talks about it. And so I find it fascinating that in all the research, those two things popped up as well. It seems to indicate that perhaps they're not comfortable. They have weren't comfortable talking about it with their inner circle and their friends. And like, why is that the case for so many women? I think just going back to what we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. there is no place to go. Usually you have like one friend that like knows everything, you know, and you go to like that one friend and they like tell you the scoop on like, what is it like to be pregnant? Or what is it like to have, you know, issues with this or that, that nobody has information. And I find that I think the deeper we get into this and, and the biggest learnings I have is just literally like nobody has information. And if we can provide that information or it comes to be a place where you can provide some information, I think that's just a huge service to our customer and to women everywhere. But it, it, and it's 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 so complex because there's like women don't understand their own just general menopause. Then you have women who have maybe had a hysterectomy and they're like, well, am I in menopause? And then you have women, you know, who have ovaries, but no, no uterus. And they're not sure what their situation is. And it's, and someone has a UT, uh, um, an IUD and they don't know. They're like, how do I know if I'm in menopause? I mean, it's so multi-layered and it just goes on and on. So there's no basic information. And then if you have any kind of complexity to your situation, there's literally nothing. And I, I have feel, you know, how utterly sad that is um, just for all of us. You know, we are all these super successful, educated women. We have no idea what's going on in our body. So I think that the fact that these women were talking about, like, I have nowhere to go. I don't know the information. Like, it's, it's just so fundamental to this entire issue. It really is. You know, I talk with some of my girlfriends and they're like, when are you opening out here? Because you're our, per- <laughs> like, I'm that person now. They're like, before you, we didn't talk about it. We didn't want to admit that we were in that stage when other women weren't talking about it. We didn't talk to our moms about it, like you had said, um, Somi. So Somi, like, where should education start? There's so many, we see so many gaps along the female lifespan. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts from, like, periods and not knowing, which is, like, could be as early as, like, age nine, right? All the way through menopause. So where, where should education start? You know, I've done it in my own home. There's no shame. You know, I've got one tween and I've got one teenager and I started very early with them. And when their girlfriends come over now, they're like, thank you, Miss Somi for being so open. (laughs) And they'll talk to me about, you know, the fact that um, they had one teacher who was giving them a hard time for going to the bathroom too often when they're on their period. And they were like, because you told us there was no shame, we told them that we needed to go to the bathroom because we had to change our pad. And I was like, good for you. No period oh, shaming. Wow. You know, so I, I very normalized the conversation about their anatomy. And, you know, we watched uh, shows together like Never Have I Ever, you know, things that are age appropriate, but I would have never watched with my parents growing up. And then when they have questions, I want them to know that they can come to me and talk to me and it's okay. And I want them to take ownership of their body. I don't want them to be, you know, I saw a statistic the other day where the majority of women still call their external genitalia their vagina. And, you know, that's the labia and the vulva and the vestibule and everyone thinks the outside is the vagina and not the canal. And so education, I think, should start at a very young age because not only... Does it help them understand their body, but it eliminates taboo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
The girls have no problem. I came home from a, a trip. I was giving a lecture, and my husband's got, like, pads in his back pocket. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, the girls told me they started their period, and they and I had to take them to the store because they don't drive yet. And I was like, I, I could not have imagined having that conversation with my father. I would have shoved toilet paper in my underwear and dealt with it until my mom got home. Yeah. But my girls were like, Dad, we, we need to go to the store. And then God love him. He's walked around with it in his pocket because they don't carry purses because they were out all day. And he's like, yeah, I just carried it for them. And I was like, I love this. The fact that this is just <laughs> normal. You know, there's no yeah. shame. There's no stigma. And I th- so I think it starts very young. Mm-hmm. I've seen too many disasters where women have delayed diagnosis with, you know, conditions like fibroids, endometriosis, um, menopause. I, I think education should occur, at, obviously, in doctor's offices, but online, through apps. I think we have such a unique opportunity to educate women in so many different ways. People learn in different ways, too. Some people really want mm-hmm. that one-on-one with their physician, Some people have had a negative experience and never want to go back to a doctor's office again. Online summits. I mean, there's so many ways. Podcasts like this. I have so many patients who come in and say, thank you, Dr. Javade, for having that person on. It gave me the courage to finally come in and and, and talk about this. Mm -hmm. I realized I wasn't alone. So I think it should start young and we should continue through every stage of life. Um, I'll add with boys too. I mean, like Sally knows I have two boys. And they come in and out of my office and I have vibrators and I have incontinence pads and I have lubricants. And I, I, it, I would say I've changed as a mother. Like I am, I, I have tried to be as open and honest about what all these things are and not be embarrassed and not be like, Oh, you're too young. Like I have tried to frame it as like, this is what happens with women's bodies and your body changes too. And I've, I've been as open with them as I possibly can. Whoever ends up, you know, whoever their partners end up being in life, they will be as uh, very tolerant and understanding. But I, I think it's as important with boys to explain what's going on with girls so they understand whoever, you know, wherever they are in life, that like being tolerant and understanding and patient and just educated on the whole thing. I wholeheartedly agree, Michelle. Uh, I have a girl who, you know, she's, um, going to be 20 soon, which is mind blowing. Um, her friends are like, your mom is amazing. You could talk mm-hmm. to her. I wasn't always like this though. I, you know, doing what I do now, like you, it has afforded me the opportunity and uh, to talk about this without feeling like there's any shame or stigma around it. Um, so I feel very fortunate. And I also have a seven-year-old son and I had my period and he was like, I was like, I, I'm not going to go swimming. You know, I'm not feeling well. And he's like, what's wrong? And I, I found myself like, what should I do? And the old me would have said, you know, I'm just not feeling well, you know, just go with dad. But I actually explained it to him in a way that I thought a seven-year-old boy could potentially understand. And I said, well, mommy's, mommy's bleeding and it happens once a month. And you know how, I think they were studying birds in school. I'm like, birds lay eggs. I'm like, I have eggs too. And he was kind of like, but he took it all in and was like, okay. And he was satisfied with it. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to start to have the conversation with him because he's going to ask more and more questions and he's going to be eight. And so my husband looked over at me and he's like, wow, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, well, it's normal. He's going to know like girls are going to start to have their period in this class. Maybe it it is so important that we do this. I agree. And, you know, Michelle and I have talked a lot about inviting 
men into this conversation too, because we have so many male investors and, you know, we honestly love our male investors. They've been as empathetic as the female investors and actually just as knowledgeable about this opportunity and super excited about it, obviously. So, I mean, I think that we just want to figure out the right way to do it, but we definitely, we've had some men reach out to us that saw the brand early on. And um, we think it's so important to educate men about even how to communicate with their, you know, their partner on this or, you know, just more awareness too, because if we get it all out in the open, Right now it's, we're just, it's going to be a lot healthier of, uh, of an environment. There's going to be a lot more empathy shared on both sides. So and a lot less gender disparity that again, because yeah. one of you, I forgot whom said if men were fanning themselves, yes. <laughs> yeah. men were fanning themselves, we wouldn't do this. I do FDA consulting. So, and I, I, I see the discrepancy that happens with women and it's, it's crazy. Like sexual health medications, we have 26 for men. I'm not saying they don't need them. They absolutely do. But why do we only have two for women? And even with insurance coverage, they'll cover, you know, ED medications, but will not cover um, a lot of sexual health medications for women. And it's like, what message are we sending? Sexual health is important for men, but not for women. Right. Uh, right. And, you know, and who are we telling then the male partners to have intercourse with, you know? So, right. It's just, I had a woman in tears because her husband's Viagra was covered, but her vaginal hormone was not covered. And it was the only way she could have sex, you know, without pain. You know, Facebook won't approve ads that show any, you know, sexual wellness products, Mm -hmm. but ads for erectile dysfunction. So, you know, that's like perpetuating it even yeah, I was talking to a doctor um, last, earlier this week who had a huge Instagram following and she was talking about vaginas and UTIs and vaginal walls and her account got canceled and she can't get it back. And she can, and they said that she violated rules for Instagram mm-hmm. and she literally, she's like, nobody will get back to me. I do not know why. She's like, I'm assuming it's the fact that I was, I'm a doctor and I'm talking about vaginal issues, but I don't know why I got canceled. They literally pulled her entire account down. That is so unfortunate. Yeah, there are so many barriers to getting the information and products out for for women because of those advertising stipulations, which are incredibly ridiculous because it's healthcare. It's not porn, which is basically what they're equivocating it to. And yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't shock me that her account got taken down. I hope she gets it back up because (laughs) it's healthcare, because we do know someone in the sexual health space as well, who just same thing, had her whole account taken down. She tried to fight it. And she eventually had to restart it, a, Mm -hmm. a new one again. But like, that was her community that she took years to build. These women were coming to her for support for the community to be able to talk about it and just gone. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's just yet another barrier to healthcare. You know, we, we already have so many barriers that we've referred to. And then I think that takes away such a key educational piece, but also the other thing that we've all experienced, right? You guys with women asked have a huge, um, women want a family, right? They want Mm -hmm. support. Um, Kamal joined me because she came to one of our events and she's like, 
there's like 150, 200 women showing up to their gyno's office. Like, what is happening here? Like, I don't, I love my gyno, but I don't want to hang out with her after hours. <laughs> it's that same thing, right? That sense of community and camaraderie and feeling like, you know, you're not alone. And I think that's what you guys have created. That's what's so important to us. And so that's what frustrates the heck out of me too, when I see people I know out there um, who are true innovators and thought leaders, and they're they're experiencing cancel culture, but in a very different way and for a very, very wrong reason. Speaking of community and, you know, options for women, Sally, Michelle, tell us about you founded Womanist. You got all that market research. What was your first product? Well, we actually launched them all. We launched uh, 12 all at once. All um, at once. Oh, wow. And that was sort of the biggest challenge. I, I mean, it, a lot of people told us when we were getting into this, don't you know, launch with one or two products, see how it goes or get a hero product and launch with that. But what Sally and I decided early on after talking to all these women was that if we were going to stand for menopause, which we knew we wanted to do, we couldn't just be skincare or just supplements or just sexual wellness. Like you had to show the whole story because that's what we had learned. You know, every woman we talked to had a whole other story of shell. So we committed, we spent the, you know, the last year and a half developing these products and it was hard and it was (laughs) stressful and complicated, but we said we had to launch with at least one in every one of the categories that we were focused on. So we launched with 12, we've now have 13. Yeah. So we, we launched them all at once. And we'd really try to figure out like, what are the must haves? You know, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to be like a facial skincare brand, but we knew that certain areas needed more attention, like the neck, Mm -hmm. you know, your your skin on your neck and your decollete really change. Um, Again, a lot of it has to do with, you know, exposure and you might protect your face, but you forgot about your neck and decollete. And as your estrogen drops, your skin thins out. And, you know, we just felt like it was so important to come out with a product for that. So that's why we, we came up with Let's Neck as mm-hmm. one of our, you know, top products. And then the eyes, the same thing for the eyes. And we really thought about like the applicator wanting, you know, the applicator to be something that was um, cold and, and just felt very soothing on your skin. So you know, a lot of women love our, not only the the product, the formulation or the serum, but they love the experience of using the product as well. So, you know, we wanted each product to really have a purpose. And so that's why, you know, some products we debated, but eventually we didn't pursue because they weren't necessarily as helpful with menopause. You know, we're not an aging brand, we're a menopause brand. So I think that's why we're appealing to women from 30 all the way to over 65. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a very, very wide age range because we're not, you know, we're much more about a transition. And um, I think some of the younger women might be going through premature menopause or want to be prepared. We're hearing that from a lot of millennials that they just want to be better prepared. They've seen their moms go through this and they weren't prepared. So they want to start really, you know, taking the supplements and using our products. And, and so while we have formulated our products around, you know, menopause and what's right for menopausal skin and all the symptoms, even if you're not in menopause, you can still enjoy our skincare. 
Um, you can still take Active Glow, which is one of our, you know, our skin, hair, and nails, and, and joint supplement. And you can still use our vibrator. So, <laughs> so I think we're appealing to a much broader group of women than we thought we would. Well, that's encouraging to hear that women are wanting to learn earlier. Yeah. So me, what were you, you were definitely wanting to chime in. I could see it. <laughs> sure, Cause I get to see it where you guys are seeing it product wise. You know, we see it in our clinic. Um, mm-hmm. So many people were like, what is she doing? Opening a med spa in a gynecology office. Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. You're not a plastic surgeon. And I was like, there's no residency for aesthetics and women want to look and feel better. And so treating all the symptoms, like you said, whether it's with medication, whether it's with hormones, whether it's with supplements, whether, you know, it's a CO2 laser, women love coming in saying, I can get my annual, I can get my hormones, I can get my Botox. And we're truly treating the whole woman. And that was my goal too, when I set out. And that's what's so exciting for us too. You know, we've just from our two offices, seen patients from 32 states. And now we're launching this huge initiative to open her MDs everywhere. And we get letters, you know, like, when are you opening in Denver? When are you coming to New Jersey? Because it's the kind of care women want. They, yeah. they, they care, they want to look and feel better. Um, and I think that's why your brand and our clinical um, approach really appeals to women. Absolutely. I'm like, and, when are you opening in New York? <laughs> great. I know, right? <laughs> it's so true. It's like you get you go to your for your annual gynecologist visit, and you can get your Botox, and you can get you know whatever dermatological needs you have. I mean, it it is the whole woman, and it's what she's going through at that stage. You know mm-hmm. what she's thinking about. And exactly in the seven years that we've been open, I agree with you. We are seeing um, the demographic younger and younger and younger coming in because they want that prevention, right? They want early intervention. So I'm going to bring up another study because I think this is fascinating and has to do with a little bit of what we were talking in terms of education. And thankfully, women are younger and younger and getting this education. So just came out like last month out of the UK, 900,000 women left the workforce, 900,000, which is insane because of menopausal symptoms, Mm -hmm. because they're experiencing these, these women in like, the prime of their career, mm-hmm. C-suite level or you know, directors have worked so long in their careers and then are leaving for you know a period of time or maybe for good mm-hmm. because they're experiencing symptoms of menopause and maybe they weren't under, they didn't have the education debt prevention beforehand. So what does that, you know, what does that say about the need for that? I mean, it's an incredible need, obviously, but I just found it so hard to believe that so many women were leaving because of menopausal symptoms. I think it is education. I think it's back to what we were just saying about starting the education and awareness early on. You know, obviously companies are, all the companies I know, including ourselves, we're dying for talent. Like we want mm-hmm. talented people. Um, we see so much wisdom from you know, having a range of, we have older people working with us and we have younger people. And it's such a great combination to have just all of these different perspectives, right? So that makes to me a much healthier culture than, you know, all millennials or all, you know, Gen X or boomers, right? So I think companies that have the healthiest culture really have that 
melting pot. And it's so important that, you know, I think it starts with honestly, a lot of the, you know, HR departments, you know, really understanding that this is an issue. Like they have tackled, you know, diversity, inclusion, and equity. They need to really think about, I mean, this is kind of a piece of that. It's, it's you know, maternity leaves. Think how much maternity leave policies have changed. I mean, mm-hmm. when I had my kids, no one took three months off. And now women are taking, you know, three to four months off. And the employers are really understanding. So I think we're at a very interesting stage where hopefully in the next 10 years, this will look really different. It's interesting to think all those years where people talked about women, you know, not kind of not reaching the C-suite jobs. You know, I, I think it's a combination of both physically not feeling up to it, but I think there's also a mental component to menopause and to just that kind of age, late forties, early fifties, where, you're just sort of like, I, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I think it's that combination of physical and mental together. Yeah. But all of those years where we've talked about like women not hitting, you know, getting to that place in, in corporations, like if you really think about it, how much of it had to do with women not feeling like maybe they don't feel so good, or maybe there's a, you know, they, they're suffering symptoms and they just can't put in the time that they did, or they don't feel supported by the, the company the way they did maybe like when we talk about pregnancy. And it, it's interesting to see how that might change as more women are running companies, more women are at the top. Will that change, you know, as you go through? And we, as we said early on, you, having a hot flash in the middle of your office, or you didn't get good sleep that night, or you're feeling that brain fog, like, it, it, do you want to talk about it? Or do you want to just say, you know, when I'm done with this, and I'm going to go retire and move on with my life? I see it every day. I mean, I had a executive walk in the other day. She had a towel around her neck and she was like, I cannot work like this. I am like this six times a day. I can't wear a towel in my office. I work with a mostly male team. She's like, you've got to help me. I see news anchors like that. And they're like, the trigger is the hot lights. They're in the studio. And they're like, I feel like my viewers can see me sweating. Um, You have to help me. And then the Cognitive decline is very distressing to women. They describe it as, you know, pregnancy brain or not feeling as sharp Mm -hmm. and focused. And they're like, listen, I have to be on, you know, you have to help me. Like, why is this happening to me? And so I think they get very frustrated and um, oftentimes they don't know where to turn. And so they will leave. And I think corporations like you were talking about, this has to be part of their wellness initiatives, education, right. and really helping if they if they are truly committed to keeping female talent, they are going to give them this type of support and access to the care yep. that, that they need. Exactly. Sally and Michelle, what are some exciting things you guys have coming up at Womanist? We'd love to hear about it. Oh my gosh. Well, we are launching our blog because we, you know, so, so much believe in education, but we have created a lot of articles and content that we're launching next week. Check us out in on, on womanist.com and um, we'll keep growing that, that content. You know, it's interviews from, you know, we work with the doctor at the Mayo Clinic and it's different experts that are providing information. So we're packaging all that up and we will just keep growing that over time. So I'm personally really, really excited about that. 
And then, you know, I'm sure Michelle has some product that she's really excited about. So do you want to speak to some? We have a lot, you know, we're, we're constantly in development of new products where there, there's so many symptoms we feel like we haven't necessarily addressed, you know, everything from sleep is a huge issue and there's um, some stuff in the works around sleep. I think sexual wellness, because so many women are different in what they can tolerate and what they could use for lubricants um, and moisturizers. You know, we, we have a whole bunch of different products in development to address different needs. We have more vibrators that we're working on. Um, I think there's a lot more in skincare. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many things you could do for in terms of serums and different ingredients that are good for this, you know, time in your life. So we, we, you know, we have a lot going on. Um, we're really excited about it all. And um, I, 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 like, as Sally said early on, like, we just want to make sure what we, whatever we put out there is useful, effective, you know, is going to ch- help some, somebody when they really needed the help. So we spent a lot of time just making sure whatever we're developing is the right product. And so sort of this next phase is even, you know, where we feel, you know, the bar has been set. So we have to keep living up to that expectation. That's incredible. I'm excited to see them. I love the packaging. I love the messaging. It's modern. It's clean. It speaks to women. So with all these new things coming up, let our listeners know how they can keep up with you. Womanist.com is our main, you know, storefront. We're also available at on target.com and then in select target stores. Um, And then my womaness is our Instagram handle. And that's really where we have a lot of like sort of entry content to come and check us out. And the after party. So the after party is our private Facebook group. That's growing really nicely. Um, The after party. Obviously the most intimate conversations happen after the party and sometimes most fun happens after the party. So yeah, women, if they're interested, should definitely check that out. We have a woman by the name of Ann Goebel that's running that for us, who's 51 and just really fun and empathetic and doing a great job just connecting with women. You know, women that are interested in becoming an ambassador could reach out to her through that private Facebook group as well. So yeah, we're really focused on community. We've invested a lot mm-hmm. of effort in that because again, women women told us early on that they wanted to connect with other women. And then, you know, eventually we will have more in-person experiences and events as the world opens up so that women can actually in real life meet other women and hear from speakers and, and different experts. I love that because I took Kamel to a couple of medical conferences and she walked around and she was like, oh my God, the marketing, (laughs) the images, the messaging. She was like, what world am I in? I go, welcome to the medical world. (laughs) It was was unappealing at best. You know, the biggest thing I took away from that was like, they just assume menopausal women are geriatric and just will be like super geriatric. Like you've hit menopause, you're super old. You can't like feel Mm -hmm. great, look great, be young, like have fun. Like it was like, you were like great grandma. Like that, that was the feeling I got. We've been talking a lot about that recently that 
there needs to almost to be a different word for menopause because when people hear menopause, there's this stereotype of like, you're an old lady at the end of your road. Goodbye. <laughs> have fun. And the fact is, is that menopause needs so many, like it's, there are women in their twenties who are in menopause in their thirties who are in menopause. There are women who are in menopause and have no symptoms. There are women who are like, oh, there's so many different things that happen. And what I hate is that that that, that, image in your head gets triggered as soon as you hear the word. And, you know, Sally, we were saying, I think someone said to us that in Japan, the word for menopause means second spring. I don't know if I could be wrong. So don't call and yell at me. But (laughs) just that idea also is just so So much more appealing to what where we are, where it's like, you are an old lady and done. And if there was a way we can change that stereotype, I think it would change the way people feel about all these symptoms and everything that they're dealing with. Because it's not, if you say, hey, I'm in menopause, it doesn't mean, oh, you're, oh, I didn't realize you were that old. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we did a fun um, renaming revolution with Peanut and took a lot of fertility terms and terms, oh. you know, that were used in healthcare that were just egregious for too long and changed them and created a glossary of terms. You guys could do something that for oh, that. That's menopause. I think we should appeal to the DSM-4 and call menopause the after party. Because there's so much, um, you know, like we talk about atrophy in the office and women are like, Dr. Javade, that's so off-putting. I'm like, I know, isn't that the worst ever? So just thinking about kinder, gentler, more medically accurate terms um, <laughs> and getting those in front of women and letting them if doctors aren't going to change, then letting them take that conversation into their doctor's offices yeah, and owning their bodies and what's happening um, and being, you know, part of their healthcare rather than being spoken to and saying, you have this. I think we need to really change the conversation in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. For sure. What a great conversation. Good luck with the event next week. I hope Thank it's you. Great this is really great. I love what you're doing. It's so pioneering. It's really great. This episode of Her Voice has been a production of HerMD, a female forward wellness center in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerMDHealth and sign up for our newsletter at HerMDHealth.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we hope you'll share it with your friends. They can listen to us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you'd like to share your sexual health story, you can reach out to us at info at HerMDHealth.com.